And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. I must, uh, before we begin, confess sin. We'll be in Genesis chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Um, But anyway, go ahead and put up the disclaimer there, Corey. You're joking around about, you know, me going long. Uh, So David came up. The reason why we're joking around a lot about it is because David came up to me last week uh, or the week prior. Yeah, week prior when uh, it was the week of the Parks wedding and and we had baby dedication and just all kinds of stuff going on. And he's like, yeah, and I've, I've also got the sermon. And I said, man, that that's too much on you, man. You you should get, you know, he was going to Genesis 22. I said, listen, I've written many a paper on Genesis 22. It's my favorite passage to go to in Genesis. Like, trust me, I've got this. And he looked at me, he said, okay, but we got a lot going on in the service. You can do 18 minutes, right? And apparently I'm a liar. <laughs> Because I looked at him and I said, yep. And now granted, I did try, I cut it down and everything. And then uh, David, after the, ser- after the service last week, came up to me. I said, so how long was it? Like, I, I know I didn't go 18 minutes, like 25. You went-, you went 35 minutes on an abbreviated sermon. So, uh, yeah, there we go. I told him, well, you just don't give me enough to, to say. You know, that's, that's the problem. It's all built up. Uh, but anyway, we're in Genesis chapter two, uh, chapter two, chapter twelve this week. Uh, since we have been going through the book of Romans uh, and looking and seeing what faithful obedience looks like, and specifically in the life of Abraham, we looked last week at Genesis chapter twenty-two in the sacrifice of Isaac, uh, or uh, the binding of Isaac, as as it says in the uh, uh, Hebrew scriptures. Um, we I, I decided when David called me uh, Friday and said he had COVID, he, and he said you could go ahead and do the Romans message. And I said, no, you already got that one made up. You take rest, you know, so that way you've got that for when you get back. And I said, I'll just find a different passage. And um, apparently I've exhausted all of my, uh, you know, pass, you know, sermons that you have just in your, your Bible, you know, for just in case something happens. Uh, so uh, we were looking at this. I said, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but this deserves a, a bigger conversation, a longer conversation on the call of Abram. Uh, so at this point here in Genesis, uh, he is known as Abram. He's not till later that he, his name is changed to Abraham the father. Uh, right now, the father, later on, the father of many nations. Uh, and so uh, we see here Abraham, or Abram, and you might hear me interchange Abram and Abraham just because, yeah, Logan, I, I heard you do that. It's fine. I, I was right with you, brother. Uh, but you might hear me interchange that, but uh, uh, just know that I'm talking about the same person. Uh, but uh, we're looking at Abram's calling uh, and, and seeing how this father of many nations uh, comes to become the father of many nations. Now, you must remember that this book of Genesis was written uh, by Moses, um, uh, most likely right after the Egyptian exodus. Uh, More likely what's going on is Moses is writing an historical account of what took place uh, to tell the Jewish people why it is that God has favored them. Why it is that God has taken this nation of slaves and brought them out into freedom, given them freedom, and not only that, but eventually given a homeland. And so uh, Moses is writing this uh, to inform the Jewish people, hey, this is your origin story, this is where you come from. 
Now, in the narrative of, of where this passage is, this takes place right after the Tower of Babel narrative. So if you don't recall, this is basically where the people came together and, uh, at, this, at a place called Babel and said, let us build a tower to the heavens uh, in order to make uh, a name for ourselves. In other words, what they were trying to do was basically the same sin as the first sin found in Genesis chapter 3, where they wanted, uh, where Adam and Eve were tempted with autonomy. You can become like God. We see here that the people around Babel wanted that same autonomy. We can be like God ourselves. If we are that elevated up into the air, then we ourselves govern us. We are not responsible to any other party. And so that is there that God then uh, disseminates the people by giving them multiple languages and they spread out. Now this is also right that that, that passage took place right before that you have the flood narrative uh, of Genesis 6 through 10 where you have Noah being the only man found righteous and finding favor in the eyes of God uh, among the entire earth that everybody uh, was, was doing evil continuously. Uh, and so God decides to destroy everything except Noah and his family and whomever or whatever was on the ark. Uh, and so here we see that in Genesis, we have this question of how bad is sin? And we see here in these two narratives that one, that the sin enters into the world in Genesis chapter four, we have the first murder, probably what we consider to be the worst sin among, you know, ourselves, even understanding that all sin is, is evil and all sin uh, separates us from God. But then only a few generations right after the flood where Noah, the righteous man and his family, is kept alive because of his faithfulness to God, we see here that the people once again are dabbling in idolatry, namely the worship of themselves. And so now, understanding that context, we come here to Genesis chapter 12, and we see here that there is a man named Abram. And so we must ask the question of why did God choose Abram? Well, we see right here in this passage that God chose Abram because God chose Abram. I, I, I know, you're, you're laughing because you're like, well, yeah, well, of course. But the truth is, is that nowhere in this passage does Moses lay out any sort of argument of, hey man, Abram is amazing and I must have him on my team. You see, we, we can learn from Abram's call and what God called him on his life. You see, God calls us basically out of his merciful plan for us. Why? Because he does. You see, God shows his glory by choosing the most unlikely. And the reason for that is because no one else could possibly do it apart from a miracle of God. So, Christian, if you're in here, why are you called out by God for salvation? Because you are. You bring nothing to the table. I mean, look at me. Handsome. I heard someone say, wow. I, I, I'm glad you finally recognize it. You know, it's, it's, yeah, Humble, that's exactly right. As humble as Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. But no, I mean, the truth is, is I bring nothing to the table. 
I, I, I mean, I'm like y'all. I'm from here. So, I mean, there's nothing special about Wakulla County other than the fact that we're all related. Uh, there, there's nothing special about the fact that we're in Florida as compared to other states in the Union. Uh, there's, there's nothing big on the fact that we can speak English. Uh, there, there's nothing that, that we bring t- to the table. There's nothing that I bring to the table other than the fact that God in His mercy chose to save me. And so we must look at why are we chosen by God and what are we chosen to do. So, verses 1 through 3, we see that Abram is called. So, Abram is called here in this passage, and literally it starts out by saying, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go to your country and to your kindred and to your father's house, uh, to the land that I will show you. Well, one, right before this passage, we see that Abram's family has left Ur and has gone to Haran, basically southern Turkey, northern Syria, somewhere in that area. And so we see that... God has already orchestrated them to come out of their homeland of Ur uh, toward where God is going to eventually call Abram to go to. Uh, But now we see that within this movement, God specifically has a plan for this one man named Abram. And notice what he says. He tells them to leave your country, to leave your kindred, and to leave your father's house. It's a lot of yours right there, right? Three yours mainly means you might want to look and see what's going on here. You see, God is calling Abram out, uh, uh, taking him out of everything that he knows, right? It's just like being here. You know, we joked about Wakulla County, all of us being related. Uh, that's partially a joke, but, but let's face it. If God called us out of Wakulla County and told us to go elsewhere, the fact is, is that we would be leaving everything that we knew, Right? You know the great fishing holes on Silver Lake, whether it's Silver Lake on Surf Road or Silver Lake out toward uh, Smith Creek, right? You know where the best drum uh, to fish is, right? Well, y'all don't. Y'all just moved in. Uh, by the way, it's O'Clotney Bay Bridge. Yeah, you go right over there. You're going to find the biggest drum that you'll, you'll be able to find, um, right? You, you, you know of all the places. You know of all the potholes in the road, right? I was driving down uh, 319 this morning, and I knew right as I came up to Centennial Bank to go go ahead and just ease a little bit to the left side of the road because the pavement right there on the right is just a little bit broken up and, you know, having a new vehicle, don't want to do anything with that, right? But you, you know that's, that's familiar to you. You know everything. You take ownership of that. And here we see that God is telling him, saying, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave uh, your kindred, and I want you to leave your country, God is calling him out to a place where Abram has no ownership. He's calling him to a place that he can only rely upon the Lord. Now, we have these kinds of callings now. We would probably uh, all say that this would be somewhat of a missionary calling, right? Uh, Someone who's called to a foreign land, to a foreign place with foreign languages, with foreign foods, with foreign fishing holes. And and so we we have this missionary calling, but even today this missionary calling is, is very different than what it was 200 years ago. We have things like phone calls. We have things like text messages. We have FaceTime where we're now, even when we're separated, Separated by thousands of miles or on the other side of the globe, we can still get in communication with someone pretty quick. 
The fact is, is that 200 years ago, this was not the case. To kind of illustrate this, I want to read to you part of a letter written by the Baptist missionary Adonai Judson. Whenever he was proposing to his wife, he already had the call in his life to go. To that point, he was planning on going to India. Later, he would end up in Burma. And he writes to his uh, prospective father-in-law asking for his wife's or for his daughter's hand in marriage. And here's what he has to say. He says, I now have to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjugation to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of every want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and died for you? For the sake of perishing immortal souls? For the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all of this? In hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory and with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from the heathen saved through her means from the eternal woe and despair. Notice here that when Adoniram Judson is asking for his father-in-law's, for his daughter's hand in marriage, he is telling her, I'm asking you to marry your daughter and for you to never see her again. That is basically what Abram is called here to. To leave everything you've ever known and probably never come back. That is a, that's a hard message to be called to. And in fact, uh, I, would, I would even go out to say that probably some of us would not take up that call. I know me having a daughter now, if a guy wrote to me all that, I'd say, oh, no, buddy, you go ahead and skedaddle. Um, but that's, that's what we're talking about. When Abram leaves, it's not like he's going from uh, Crawfordville to Panacea. It's like he's going from Crawfordville to Calcutta with no cellular signal to never be seen again. And so Abram is called out of this. And we see here that he's called to do a few things. One, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. He says, I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those or I will dishonor you, uh, in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And on all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. You see, right here, Abram is told, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. He's called to a specific purpose that God is going to equip him for. Now, if you remember later on when Logan was reading this passage, Abram at the time was 75. Now, I don't know any spry 75-year-olds that are ready to make themselves a lot of offspring in order to have a great nation, especially when understanding that Abram's wife, who also was up in age, but you know not at that age just yet, um, but we see in the passage right before this that she was barren. 
You know, it's pretty interesting that God chooses the most unlikely of people in order to do something magnificent. And we see here in this passage, and in fact, we'll see here later on in the book of Genesis. We're not going to go there today. It's okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll see later on, if you read on, that he does just that. He does what is the impossible. Why? So that his glory can be made known. And so we see here that Abram is called to do something great. But notice here that God does not have a contingency plan. God does not say, hey, Abram, if you will do this, you know, can you please you know, go to the land that I'm going to show you? He does not say, uh, you know, or you don't see Abram sitting there going, uh, maybe there's like a part two to this. What, what if I don't go, what will you give me, right? We must remember that Abram in this part of Scripture, the reason why he is here, the reason why he is going to be made known across the nations is because Abram is central to God's plan of salvation for humanity, for us, for me, and for you. You see, God is not a God of taking risks. God has already stacked the deck. He knows exactly what's going to take place. And so God here calls out Abraham and says, Listen, you are going to do this. And praise God that Abram was obedient. Why? Because we are sitting here in this room right now because of it. See that promise from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that the serpent would come and he would strike the heel of the offspring of the woman, and yet the offspring of the woman will, will strike the head, give that crushing blow to the, to the, to the serpent. That promise, that, that first gospel promise, is being played out here in Genesis. And we see here that Abram is, is called and is part of this and is central to this. And we see why did God choose Abram? Because it was his will to choose Abram. He had that determined from Genesis chapter 3, and nothing was going to stop him. Now, we see the last part of the passage, and yes, we got 10 minutes left, so we might get out before noon, is that Abram obeys. So Abram obeys. So, so Abram is called by God out of his homeland, and he is called to go. And we see that Abram, in verses 4 through 9, obeys the calling of God. It says, so, so Abram went, he, he packed himself up, he packed up his wife, he also packed up his nephew, and they went going. They started going through uh, the, the land of Canaan. They came across a couple cities. By the way, most of these cities are here because, remember, the Jewish people, People are getting ready to enter into this land. And so when, when, when Moses is saying, hey, listen, they were at Ai, they were going down to the Negev and all this stuff, these are, are, are literal historical places that the people can understand tangibly that this is not a myth, that this is something that, that took place, that the idea that they are God's chosen people is not something concocted by a rebellious group of slaves, but that this was something that was formed way before even the nation of Egypt even thought about doing anything that they were doing at the time. You see, Moses was right here showing the people of Israel that indeed they were God's chosen people. They were called out for a plan and for them to be obedient to whatever God would call them to do. 
And so we see here that, that Abram leaves. We see here that, that he is 75 years old, which, by the way, remember, eventually he does get that offspring, Isaac. He gets that offspring, that, that promised son, at the age of 100, meaning that there are 25 years that take place between now when this promise is given to when the promise is fulfilled. So let me ask you this before. Are you currently seeking out the will of God? And let me ask you this. Are you patient? Because let's face it. I myself, I'm not a patient person. I don't like to wait. And here we see that God is giving Abram a call and he's telling him, I will be faithful. Just watch. And apparently just watch is 25 years. So my question to you is this. Are you obedient? Are you obedient? And you might have something going on in your life, right? We got COVID going around again right now, it seems, right? Economy is going crazy, right? None of you look at your portfolios, please, especially not right now, Um, right? Gasoline is going up, although, hey, praise God, it's coming back down a few cents, so there's that, right? We have all these things going on, and we're sitting here saying, Lord, when are you going to fulfill your promises to us? And let's face it, it might be a while. But does that mean that God is any less faithful? Absolutely not. It's just in His timing. It's not in ours. And then we notice that in this passage that Abram travels down, and eventually he is told, hey, here's the place where you need to go. So he stops and he builds an altar. He builds an altar in this new land that he has been given or he's told that he is going to be given and basically does the first public display of Yahweh worship, of God worship in a land that it was almost foreign in. God sends him down to Canaan, gives him the missionary call of leaving everything and following God faithfully. And then Abram goes down and tells the people, this is who I worship here. So, my question to you after this is, what can we learn from a passage such as this? What are some applications that we can take? One, we do not deserve salvation. You see, you do not bring something to the table that God says, you know what I need on my table? I need Eric Elmore. I need someone who wears shorts and, and, and has no shame about it. He does, doesn't say that. He doesn't look at you and say, you know what, you are perfect with finances, and if I don't have you on this table, then all of a sudden my plan goes awry. We bring nothing to the table. There, there's always a, a big thing, a big... Uh, uh, you'll hear stuff like, for instance... Uh, People will say stuff like, I, I, I pray Richard Dawkins could, could come to faith in Christ because of all the things he could do. And, you know, and partially that is right. I mean, here's someone who is a staunch atheist, literally wrote uh, you know, the book on why God is dead and, 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 and all this stuff. And if he comes to faith in Christ, what does it show? But the truth of the matter is, is that Richard Dawkins coming to faith in Christ is not a display of how mighty Richard Dawkins is, but the fact that God can save someone who's running far away from him 
despite himself, save him and sanctify him. And the truth is, is that we are all Richard Dawkins. We were all running away in our sin. And yet God in his mercy and his grace saw fit that we could receive salvation. So we do not deserve it, but yet he gives it to us anyway. Two, God might call us to do something unfathomable. You know, we're, we're in a small town here. But let's face it, we've seen God call some people to do some crazy things, right? I mean, just within this church, we've had uh, at least uh, three individuals and families who have been called to go to the nations out of Wakulla County, Florida, to go and share the gospel around the globe. It's unfathomable. For me, it's unfathomable that God brought me back. I was away. I finally got out. I, met a, I had a wife that I wasn't related to. It's fantastic. <laughs> and yet God brought me back right here. It's unfathomably brought me back, but yet He has been gracious and He has been merciful in doing so. God is going to sometimes call us to do the unfathomable. But that goes with number three. If God calls us to do the unfathomable, God is faithful in fulfilling His side of the calling. We do not have to worry if God is not going to fulfill His promise. Why? Because we rest on the promise of the cross. That our biggest burden was that we are sinners and that we were destined for hell, and yet God in His mercy saw fit that He would save humanity by sending Jesus down to live the perfect life that we should live, to die the death that we deserve, and for three days later to be raised from the dead, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And it's on that promise, it's on that historical event that we can take hope, that we can hold fast to the promises of God and what He's called us to. You see, He will fulfill His side of the calling. And so number four... Just as we've been talking about for now the past uh, two weeks, we must be obedient to the call of God. We must be obedient to the call of God. When God calls us to do something, we must do it. Period. Immediately. Right, we saw that last week with Abram or with Abraham. Whenever he was called to go and take his son, what happened the next morning? He he rose up early and and went. When we are called to do something, we must respond and respond immediately. So, as we close here today, I would like to ask you this: Have you been obedient to God? A call on your life. Now, for the Christian in here, that might be to do something specific, right? Perhaps something out of your comfort zone. Let me tell you that God is faithful in fulfilling His promise, just as 25 years from this moment, He would be faithful to Abram in giving him the promised son. So shall He be faithful to you in giving you whatever you need in order to fulfill what He has called you in your life. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian, and you say, is God faithful? Let me tell you this. The most important need in your life is not a tank of gas. It is not for your 401k to look better than what it does right now. It's not for inflation or any of the other stuff to go away. 
You see, Scripture tells us that you are a sinner and that you are completely corrupt and that you deserve death and damnation. Indeed, you deserve the wrath of God, but God, loving you, decided to make a way in which you could have life and have a relationship with Him. And so, His plan since Genesis chapter 3, since the beginning of the book, was that He would send a replacement for you. And He sent Jesus to, like I said earlier, to live that perfect life that we deserve to live, never sinning, to die the death that we deserve, and in doing so, taking upon sin on Himself, and then three days later, rising from the grave, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And He tells us that we can partake in His sacrifice if we do one thing, submit. If we submit to His Lordship. So, What is the application for you if you're in here and you're not a Christian? The application in here is this. Repent and believe. Submit to the Lord God. He is faithful in fulfilling that promise of salvation for your life. But only if you submit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We we praise you. We honor you. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Father, we praise you for your word and how, Lord, even a passage of Scripture uh, that takes place thousands of years ago, can Father, can still speak anew in our lives today. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we go into this time of invitation, that, Father, that you would speak to us, show us where we can follow you that much more closely. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.